0: Good morning, and welcome to Morning Learnings. Um, back in London. Um, very sunny, I'm sure, in Sydney. Delighted to be joined this morning by Josh Fegan, uh, the exceptional trainer um, in the world. Forget about Australia. Um, you know, I've hear, heard amazing things about you in UK, Dubai, America, Australia, anywhere else, Josh? Uh, New Zealand. We shouldn't forget uh, the we, we call it the eighth state of Australia yeah <laughs> well i'm incredibly grateful for your time so thanks very much um obviously last night, um we discussed um just off offline what's happened in the uk um back in lockdown estate agents um are allowed to keep on working um morning luke sinclair there you go i knew luke was the first one who was going to come on and say hello morning anton thanks very much for joining us so um how's it been with you josh so that? it's a, it's a pretty,
1: pretty amazing period because um, here in Australia, we've just had a, uh, had an outbreak. We had uh, effectively about 138 cases um, over the course of the last three or four weeks um, here in, in Greater Sydney. Um, and off the back of that, uh, we're now in a position that we're at about two, three, maybe four cases per day. And they've just shut down all of the borders um, in between the states here in Australia. So that's sent the Australian tourism into a massive spin. A lot of places that were booked out and now have got availability. A lot of people have had to rush back. So it's um, it's a pretty interesting thing. It made us realise about how controlled we are in Australia. Um, you know, we're certainly um, not in the position of 50,000 cases, which we're hearing out of London. But it is um, pretty amazing to see just how stringent our lawmakers actually are in preventing us from from travelling um, domestically across the country at this point. But um, it's, it's an incredible sense of optimism. I know uh, certainly what you've been experiencing in the UK is no different Uh, We've had a huge run on property, particularly lifestyle property, Um, and in addition to that we've had a huge run on people buying cars and boats and caravans and all sorts of things because we can't travel uh, internationally or even domestically at this point. Uh, Money is cheap. Uh, We're in a position that we've got a very stable government here in Australia. Uh, We are also in a position too that we're seeing that a lot of Australians are saying, well, look, you know, that's it, and now's the time to maybe do that lifestyle change that they'd always thought they would do. And we, we will certainly see, uh, very similar to what's happening in the
0: UK, I think some of the best sales and lettings numbers that we've probably seen in the course of the last decade. Okay, well, we've got loads of people joining now. So Andy Davis, good morning. Jeremy Tyler, morning. Rob, morning. Vicky, good morning. Luke gives you a heart. Um, morning, Tom McGee. Luke's been up since four, waiting. I've been up since three, Luke, so I beat you on that one, Okay. don't know what this 5am club is, Josh Vegan, but I know... <laughs> Hey, Vicky, nice to see you. Dawn, nice to see you. Abigail, nice to see you. Ed, nice to see you. Ricky, nice to see you. Really grateful for you joining us this early. So so thanks very much. So, Josh, you work with some of the top performers. I know you work with Alexander Phillips. You've got an amazing podcast that comes out every Sunday. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not um, listening to that, you should be. Um, it's about eight minutes, ten minutes long every every Sunday, and there's gold in there. So listen to that. So working with the top performers, what are the qualities that you see that they have morning eddy?
1: You know the interesting conversation here is, is that you know what actually does constitute you know high performance or top performance, and really it is all about energy management. You know your ability to be able to really clearly manage your own energy is up to you as an individual. And regardless of a crisis or not a pandemic or not, our ability to be able to regenerate energy is massively important. and, we all have a certain reservoir of worth of energy and it really is the secret to high performance. You know, when you go to work with people, you can call it passion, you can call it energy, you can call it dogma, you can call it focus. The most important component is is that you've got to be really energetic around what it is that you do. And I always love this quote, that no one's going to be as excited about you as you. And so you need to make sure that you're really excited and pumped up about what you're doing and where you're going. And this is a really important point because I think that, you know, we've been fighting the wrong battles for many years inside of the estate agency industry. I know that for a long period of time in coming across to work with incredible estate agents over in the UK, which I've had the privilege of being able to do many times. And thanks to people like yourself, Stephen, for allowing that to occur. It's really been amazing to watch that, you know, what the difference is, is they get really clear about their business models. And, you know, I think it was only two or three years ago, we were still having arguments in the UK about high street estate agency, online estate agency, hybrid estate agency, and what that was all going to look like. I think that what we've all learned now very quickly is that that was all us talking to ourselves and none of it was actually about what the customer really wanted. And, you know, there will be positioning statements, you know, certainly there are brands that will be a very cheap version, there'll be a very expensive version, and both of them have their place in their market. And we know that Louis Vuitton is certainly not um, crying over what's happening at PoundSaver down the road, just as we shouldn't be worried about what's happening with particular people that might be moving to the discounting section of the sector versus those that are actually really traditionally adding substantial amounts of value in the way that they transact their business. What is important inside of any business is that it gets really, really clear about the customers that it serves, the way that it serves those particular customers, and what service lines that they actually use to ensure that they can deliver a better quality value add. And we are now literally in an mirror, where literally we're in a customer revolution. Everything is all about how we go to serve customers in your better ways, and about making sure that we actually really deliver on our brand promises of what we promise to the marketplace. And I think for too long, the state agencies are worried about what's happening down the road with their competitors, rather than really focusing about what they can be doing. And I think that as we come into this new era, we need to understand that coronavirus may be around with us for the rest of our lives. And that ultimately the generation that's coming through, they may never know any different to what we're actually seeing vaccine or not successful vaccine or not this might be just the modern day version of the flu and off the back of that it might be more contagious there might be a whole new range of things that are going to be there but it is actually forcing us to actually really see a new way about the way that we live and i think that literally we are becoming in a position that we are contacting human beings less and less in a face-to-face capacity We're ordering a lot of things online we're getting home delivery we're encouraged to keep our space from other people and what that actually identifies is that as soon as it is safe to do so to get back face to face with people and to be in a position that we can do that more often, then ultimately human beings are absolutely going to relish in that opportunity. But for now, we've got to understand that we're operating in a brand new world. It's a digital world. Newspapers are long gone. We're in a position now that today we're actually experiencing things in a very social environment. And a lot of people have FOMO and then the fear of missing out or the fear of what the competitors doing. And we should actually just be focusing on what we're really going to do, be doing and delivering to the marketplace. So when you talk about people like Alexander Phillips, for example, we have a meeting a little bit later this week. We're going back and we're looking about every single letter, every single piece of correspondence that he sends. What does it actually look like? What is he actually saying in the valuation appointment? What are the conversations around how he's really separating himself from his competitors? And most importantly, what are the reasons why the consumer should make the decision to use him? And it's really about getting crystal clear about his marketing lines, what he's actually saying to the consumers, how he's presenting that information and how he's actually entering the new digital world in a much more powerful way. And I think that this is the important thing, is that people are really innately focused
0: around how they actually deliver their messaging to the client about what they do when they do it and why that fundamentally matters. Okay, brilliant. Um, There you go. A few more people have joined us. You're very popular, Josh, for 7.30 in the morning in the UK. So hi, Ashley. Hi, Tony. Hi, Gareth. Spencer, good morning. And Spencer made me laugh. He doesn't like Facebook. We are honoured that you've um, got a Facebook account, Spencer. What can I say? Morning, Lisa. Um, please like it, share it. If Josh loves and love, I'm very grateful Josh actually isn't working and he's come specially to do this for the UK so incredibly grateful Josh. Um, I want to unpack quite a lot that you said there um, So one of the things you talked about is value add. Um, mm-hmm. What can a- morning Chris Ellis what can agents be doing to add value um, to their customers? you know the interesting question
1: is, is that I'm almost the wrong person to ask because in some respects the person to ask is actually the customer and you know what we find that what people do is that they look for really difficult situations a few years ago we had the opportunity to take some of the leaders out of the uk state agency industry and, and also the same here in Australia and we went over to San Francisco and, and when we were there we actually had a bit of a chance to go and see Airbnb. and when we were talking to the uh, some of the, the founders at Airbnb and the people that really make that business in, What they said was really important to do is to actually get really really clear about understanding what are the challenges and what are the things that the customer actually goes through before during and post a transaction and really what value adding is about understanding which of those components do they find difficult which of those things they unaware of before they start a transaction which of those things is just clunky doesn't work um you know kind of could be actually smoothed out needs a better quality workflow process that if we could get that there, would actually deliver a customer experience that people would rave home about and what we learned very, very quickly is, is that what Airbnb did is that they said to me, hey, you know, Josh, are you on Airbnb as a provider? I said, no, I'm not. I said, and why wouldn't you lease out your own home? I said, well, it's very simple. You know, I've got some personal effects. I've got some things inside of my house. I'm worried about damage. I'm worried about insurance. And said, okay, great. And have you ever taken an Airbnb before? I said, no, I haven't. I said, why is that? I said, well, usually I fly in late. How do I check in? I don't know where to go. I don't have a concierge. I don't have access to be able to go down and get some late night food at a venue. Um, I don't know where to go for breakfast in the morning. I don't know how to, you know, all of these things. And interesting enough, they said, well, that's kind of interesting. And so what they did is they brought out these story cards and on every single one of the story cards it actually went through all of the challenges that that customer actually went through. And it was interesting because nearly every single thing that I said that were the challenges that I'd faced were things that ultimately they were already aware of in terms of the consumer process. And it now puts systems in play, could put people in play to ensure that they actually delivered on being able to overcome those particular experience hurdles. So really simple things like making, for example, that someone will receive an SMS code. And when they get that SMS code, they type that in on the door and that allows them access to the property. So you don't have to be ringing someone late at night to try to get the key to get into the home. Now, all of those things seem so normal now because we've all experienced that in our modern world. And when they were actually building the company, those things were completely off the Richter scale. And I think that this is the basic idea is that you've got to understand inside of your business there are effectively three different customer types. There's those customers that are absolutely loyal that every day of the week, everything about you and your particular business. There are those people that are very clearly the customers of your competitors and have been so for quite some period of time. And there are those people that are not yet in a position that they have actually ever needed a start agency services and at their point of position that they have a ton of bias about which brands they may or may not use, but they have not yet done a transaction. Basically, what the idea here in the jobs to be done framework is to go and have a conversation with each of those different customer types, choose five or so customers in each area and really find out about where the challenges are that they actually face both before, during and post the transaction. And then in terms of that, which of those items do they actually find really valuable if those items could actually be sold in a new and better way? And so I think that this is a really interesting conversation because if we find where the value proposition is, then that's ultimately how we know we go to do it. And this is the key thing is, is that it's not the thing that actually ends up on the marketing. It's the thing that you do that ultimately becomes the marketing. Now, we know that customer experience has ultimately become the new form of marketing and what we go to deliver is massively important. Now, the reason why I think about this in the, in the very early days You know, when I would actually go to go and get my car serviced, I would drop my car off for servicing. The mechanic would maybe have a look around it. Off the back of some horrendous phone call at about 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They now tell me that I've got to spend a £1,000 on some extra thing that I didn't know was going to be happening. And all of a sudden there's a ton of friction. They've got the car up on the hoist. You say yes, and it's a really poor experience. Well, interesting enough, um, where I get my car serviced down here in Sydney, interesting conversation. You go and you drop your car off for service. They have a conversation with you about anything they might need to know. And within an hour of dropping your car into service, they actually have a mechanic go directly underneath with a little light and a little camera. And he actually talks you through the base of your car, what's happening to the brakes, the brake pads, all of those things, what needs to be replaced, why does it need to be replaced, any um, areas of damage that they've seen that they need to fix. And then they give you a full cost estimate within an hour of delivering it to the actual um, service. And then off the back of that, they then actually get it completed by the end of the day and have it back to you. And that's just a it's an unbelievable experience because there's just so much trust actually built into what the mechanic's saying about your particular vehicle. And this is where I think that the big key thing is, is that a lot of us have relied on written communication. Uh, sometimes we just communicate over the phone, but now we've got all of these amazing tools where we can communicate about what the differences that we can create in the way that we go to work with the client. Now, I know a number of your clients, Stephen, over in the UK are very big on refurbishments and maintenance and going into a yeah. property and saying, hey, now's the time to redo the kitchen, redo, repaint, recarpet, do some of those things because we can get a better return. And I think that this is ultimately where we're moving towards in terms of the value adding Is about actually understanding what are the things that the customer would truly value that would allow us to separate and differentiate rather than being in a position that we continue to try to look different to our competitors but essentially we're actually providing a very similar service offering
0: okay it's really interesting about the refurbishment side and um you know you're talking about what an investor wants getting return of their return of their money um Which leads me on to, you know, again, there's a lot of people on here that struggle to get landlords. You know, what would they be doing to find landlords to offer these services?
1: Yeah, I think the really interesting key thing about it is is that, you know, when we go into a business, one of the first key things is that we do a lot of diagnosis, we ask a lot of questions. And the best thing to do inside of any business is to go through and have a look at all the landlords that you've already won, that you already have, are already serving inside of your business. And actually, really ask a very simple question about how did you meet that particular landlord? And that's going to tell you a lot about your lead sources and what actually really works on the inside of your business. So, maybe, for example, you met them because you've been touting in the street. Maybe, for example, it's conversion from the sales division. Maybe it's the conversation you've already had with existing landlords who refer you on to others. Maybe it's about looking after some of the new homes and being able to convert those new homes into actually being a property that you can look after inside of your lettings business. Once you understand how the business is actually currently working, then you can then identify which are the areas that we should be amplifying. So, you know what, this works really well for us, so we should go and do more of that particular thing. And when we do more of that, that then allows us to be really successful at it. But hang on a second here, in terms of a layer cake, here are some other ways that we can actually go to generate business. And at the moment, what's really clear is that either we don't have the right person in play, or we don't have the right set of systems. So now is actually the time to go and rebuild those systems Or to actually put in the right people to actually allow us to amplify that particular way that we go to generate leads. I'll give you a great example on this. A lot of people are very um, obsessed about what we should be doing on social, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, WeChat, WhatsApp, TikTok, you name it. But yet the reality of it is, is is that actually the way that you go to generate leads? Now, what I can tell you is, is that if you have a look at all of the really significant transactions that go on in our business, they're very, very much hands on. They're very, very much personal relationships. They're very much that I was referred or sought out by that particular client. And we have a content strategy that actually goes to build those relationships with those people. Now, interesting enough, we don't really generate that many leads off social because by the time they get to the social environment, they've already seen me speak or they've seen me in a live environment like this. And off the back, of that, that's actually generated our ability to be able to work with those particular clients. Now, the reason why this is so important is that there's a lot of money there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of effort, and there's a lot of careers that are wasted in doing things that simply just don't work anymore. And what we need to be really clear about is actually understanding what is actually the thing that's broken and what are we looking at? Now, one of the things that we're looking at, at the moment inside of our own business, and I always think, what are the trainers doing inside of their businesses? Because that gives us a great insight of where they see future scalability for the rest of the industry. But we're having a look at a product at the moment called Trainual, which is T-R-A-I-N-U-A-L, and basically the idea is that it takes your standard operating procedures, your manuals and whatever, and then actually puts that into an online environment where you can have videos, where you can have gifs, where you can have a whole range of things and take people through a series of steps, bit, bit like a learning management system to actually allow people to get accessibility for the how-to documents that actually sit inside the organisation. Now, most organisations their standard operating procedures are well behind where they need to be. Off the back of that, they don't have those things documented. If they do, they're not on video. If they're not on video, they're not up to date. There's a whole range of things. And we're going down the track of doing that because we found that inside of our own business, we have these incredible how-to documents. But again, one was stored over here in Process Street and something over here was on Slack. And then we were using this great little tool over here called Loom to record the videos. But how do we have a central hub where we can literally press, press search and bring up all of those how-to functions from refunding your credit card to charging your credit card You know all the things you can do inside of a training business. And what that really taught me is that inside of any business, the ability to be able to go and re-examine your existing processes and actually be able to get them into a better way is the ultimate way to be able to speed up what's actually happening. Now, what a lot of people don't think about is, is that about maybe 15 years ago, I think that Tom Peters had coined the term about the war of talent. And this was about organizations looking for highly skilled individuals that could come and change their fortunes. And now what we're actually seeing is it's almost going the other way. What we're actually looking for is people that are capable and putting great systems around them to make them exceptional performers inside of any marketplace. And that really is the skill set, the ability to be able to lead and to charge and to understand what is the way that we go to train and develop our people to get them from zero
0: to hero to be able to deliver on that customer experience that gets more customers coming back day after day. Okay. So training, you know, there's a lot of agents. in the world. Well, I think all the best agents in the UK are watching this now, up early, getting ready, The most probably some of them, like Matt Nichols, already run 25 miles already Marcel's already run 25 miles a bit like you I think they've they like their running in the morning which is great um there's some others that just won't invest in training whether it's themselves because you know I've had a privilege of coming to um Eric I've had the privilege of listening to you speak live and you're absolutely sensational um maybe four or five thousand people there that were investing in their own future here people's expectations are their bosses should invest in themselves um, how can people change that mindset
1: I think that there's a really simple thing question and coach the solution so you know Stephen now that you finish school what do you do to learn and I think that what ultimately people learn really quickly is they're like well I read books I watch YouTube I watch TEDx talks I listen to podcasts, I go to live events, I learn by watching people. And whatever that is, that's really about understanding how you shift a culture, which Shatya Nadella from Microsoft talks about to shift a culture directly from being a learn-it-all culture in, um, from a know-it-all culture. And most organizations are know-it-all cultures. They already know everything. But yet at the end of the day, you need to be a learn all And this is one of the key things that I always think about is that if I'm not learning, I'm not growing. And if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And I think that this is the whole key thing is that how do those people actually get into your organisation if they actually don't have learning as one of their major, you know, goals or major things that they actually really want to grow and develop? Now, when people come to work for me, I always say to them, look, I've got to remind you of one key thing is is that you are joining a personal development company. If you are not prepared to personally develop, this is not the right workplace for you. And I think that this is all about how you let people in is massively important about the type of people that they become. Uh, we have a, a great opportunity to, to do some work with a guy by the name Brendan Cox uh, recently over in the UK, and one of the key things that he really focuses on now is about making sure that he's really ingraining a set of, um, you know, really basic but simple values. And one of those values is, is that, you know, we, we learn it all. In other words, like we're always prepared to learn. And he said since putting that value in, he's now giving people books that are associated with that particular issue. He's giving people links to a video. He's showing them an article that they should read. He's giving them access to people online. And I think that this is such an important part is that every single one of us have had a moment where we were stuck in life, where we didn't have the solution, where we didn't know what to do. And actually, someone somewhere gave us a link, got us onto something, we looked at it, and that changed our entire world and our entire perspective. And this is what life is about, the ability to be able to change your perspective quickly when things aren't working for you. So for me, I always just ask people a really simple question. Are you happy with where you're at? Um, is there anything that you really want to learn? What's the number one thing that's really blocking you or locking you right now? And are you prepared to change? And, and if they're not, they're not going to survive in this era. And they're probably not going to survive inside of the companies that we coach, and particularly in fast growth,
0: highly profitable businesses. They're really about creating those learned adult cultures. Um, I'm a massive fan of training and for me, every day is a learning day, um, you know, just speaking to you and having the exceptional guests I've had on here, I'm writing pages and pages of notes, you know, and then, but what's interesting is then implementation and accountability. So again, a lot of people will come to your training courses, you give your blueprints, your great content, they take away some great stuff and then it goes in the top desk. So again, to help people, how can they take action and implement stuff?
1: So it's a really interesting basic idea is about, you know, Ari Hanzo wrote a book about change. Um, bottom line, change was the name of it. You won't find it on Amazon, you can only get it on his website. And an interesting conversation about that is that, how do you actually bring about change inside of a life, inside of a person, inside of an organisation? And what I always say to people is that number one, we've got to get really clear. So what's the problem that we're actually trying to solve? Number two, what's our positive vision for the future? What's our leadership agreement around that? Number three, who's going to be impacted by that particular change? For you know, what are the action steps that we're actually going to undertake? And number five, let's actually go and begin the change. So what I often find happens inside of a lot of organizations and with a lot of people is that they're actually in a position that they don't have a five-step process about how they bring about change. Implementation is too big a word. At the end of the day, they didn't say just implement it at Nike. They said just do it. And I think, that like, the basic idea here is that I always say to people, I said, do you shower every day? They said, yeah, i do it. I said, okay, great. Were well, you're good at sticking at something. So choose what you want and go all in. And, you know, I always say, as the coach, how will I know that this change has actually happened inside an organisation? How are you going to let me know that? And then what they start doing is they start unpeeling that and unwrapping that and starting to think, okay, well, this is actually what we're going to go and do now. And I think that, like, you know, when I would look at it, I always put a great coach around me. Um, you know, today I've just been out. We've got some nice weather here in Sydney. And I've got a tennis coach now. And it's interesting because my tennis coach has said to me, he goes, so, you know, do you want to play competitive tennis? I said, oh, not really. He said, oh, was a particular person you want to beat." I said, oh, no, not really. He goes, so, do you want to play a comp? I said, no, not really. He goes, why are you coming to tennis then? I said, because I want to get the feeling back of what it's like to be coached. And I want you to put me at the absolute amateur level and take me to professional in a very short period of time. And I will do whatever you ask me to do. And it's a really interesting conversation, I, you know, a kind of bizarre thing. But today I went to a stretching coach of all things, and I'm now learning to stretch to improve my level of flexibility. You know, it's one of the things I want to make sure that I really get done this year. And the stretching coach has put me in all sorts of positions I'd never dreamt of being able to get into. And what I learned very, very quickly is, is that, you know, everyone, like, they underappreciate what it takes to get to that level of excellence and you've got to do the time. And this is the most important thing, the conversation of the 10,000 hour rule, like you don't just become an expert overnight. And this is the problem is that just because you've got a microphone and a video camera, it doesn't make you an expert. What makes you an expert is an absolute fascination with whatever it is that you wanna truly become greater. You know, and this is what I think is really incredibly important is is that, you know, to to get you into a position that you gotta do, don't try to do too many things, do one thing seriously good. Once you're mastering that skill, open it up to the second. You know, learn what it takes to develop. And this is where I think that great mentors, great people around you are incredibly important. But most importantly, too, is that holding yourself accountable. Like I'm going to say that the difference between excellence and not is a choice. You know, we know that attitude is a skill. And sometimes I will say things to people that they find cutting, you know, and, and this is one of the great example of that. I had someone the other day say to me, you know, what do you think about that? And I said, look, i just got to tell you. You know, attitude is a skill, and it's best that you learn that skill. And they, they looked at me like, oh, you saying my attitudes off. I said, well, your current attitude isn't what you're capable of, and your skill set's better than that. And they were like, oh, I haven't had anyone tell me that. So well, that's the problem in life is that we actually, you know, we don't get the permission to actually be coached in a way where we actually are prepared to confront the brutal reality of our current existence and I think this is such an important part is that I say to people, how do you like it? You know, do you want sugar all over it? Do you want me to tell you slowly? But you just want me to tell you how it is. And I'm like, oh, no, no, tell me how it is. I said, you know, can you handle the truth? I think that's an old line out of a movie somewhere. And this is that the key part is, is that if you've got someone who's loving and can see excellence in you, you can see that you're capable of a lot more than what you're currently doing today, then you will take on that feedback and you will do something seriously great with it. And I think that this is an incredibly important part is, is that you know, to do is to make sure that you do, like, you know, I'm going to say you can be fit or you can be fat. And, and you know, sure there are some medical conditions that people can't control, but the majority of people is, is that they're not moving, they're not eating well, and they're not drinking enough water. And it's like, do those three things. You're pretty much on track. And I always talk about this, that the start of the day, the ants happen. I, I had a really bad case of ants this morning the automatically negative thoughts came into my mind. You should sleep in. You don't have to get up. You know, you're not at work yet. What happens when you go back to work? What happens if this lockdown continues? How's the business going to go? Like all of these negative ants appear. And then I thought, well, you know, what are the things I can do to change the negative ants? I read over a couple of goals. I had a quick look at the weather app. I realized that the weather was great. I, I realized that I've got to try to get up to where Spencer Lawrence is on this 100K challenge that's happening at the moment over there in the UK. Which, by the way, how did he get to 98 kilometres in one week? He just got a new car. I'm a little bit suspicious on those numbers. And so off the back of that, I literally thought, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go for a run. I went for a run. And the hardest step is the first one. The hardest step is the sneakers first, to put on the socks, to put on the sneakers, and then to literally get out the front door. And once I got out that front door, it was a beautiful day. the breeze was amazing. The sun was starting to rise. There was no one else. There was no competition on the field. And it just made me realize that like in life, you will continue to have these situations occur. Your ability to flick the switch and say, we're on now, let's go, is the difference about whether or not you're gonna make it in life or not. And I think that like, it's very easy to say that you know something, but to do it is a very different story. You know, and I always think about this, Um, we've got the mango season here in Australia. I think you've got mangoes in the UK, a beautiful fruit, they're unbelievable, but I haven't yet perfected how to really cut a mango beautifully. And I've got a great friend who's a chef and I've asked her to film a video on how to slice it because I want to get to that level of excellence. Now, some people might say I'm crazy in thinking that way, but what I'm always about is is that, how do I find that new skill? And then how do I apply that in the estate agency field where I operate on a day-to-day basis? And how do I substantially get people to their level of excellence faster, better, easier, in a smarter way than ever before? And I think that that's really the skill is about learning how you can do that and significantly changing the game in a really powerful way.
0: What what does excellence then mean to you, Josh?
1: You delivering beyond what you thought you were capable of at a level that you'd never known had existed before to arrive at that position and to realize how much of an
0: amateur you were before, even though you thought you had excelled in that skill. Okay, so brilliant, thank you. So I've got a few people that made comments, few people that joined. So hi, Richard, Lauren, Damien, Michelle, Peter, Sean, David, James. Um, Pete Lawrence, sorry I'm late, we'll catch up in a bit, but I had to get my health session done first. Well done, Pete. Uh, Michelle, good morning, not many companies ever say join a self-development company, never heard that in 20 years. If I would have stayed with them, if I had, I would have stayed with them. Um, BLC is a great book. Spencer, Josh is phenomenal. Um, so so thank you. Um, somebody's just sent me a question. Where do you get your energy from? Oh, I think the number one key thing,
1: you know, um, you see, people confuse the energy. I have <laughs> the most adverse feedback that I get from people is they say you're really intense. And I say to them, no, I'm just clear about what I want. And, you know, people kind of find that, like, really full on. But I I was thinking, okay, great. Well, you know, uh, uh, Jim Lowers has brought out a new book, um, he he did a book with Tony Schwartz on the um, powerful engagement. And the basic conversation was is that our ability to be able to work with human beings really comes back down to how do we go to renew our energy. And energy is broken up into four key sources. So physical energy, what we eat, how we move, Second one is then about mental energy, our ability to be able to reset, working 45-minute sessions as an example, work from a task list. Our emotional energy, being able to put on some good music, changing the way that we feel, getting a vibe going on. And then ultimately making sure that we've got to have values-based energy because when you're doing things that are against the values, it grates and it sucks energy away. The secret really is therefore about your ability to be able to think about how you're functioning in each of those areas. So, for example, I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm concentrating on drinking more water each day. Yeah. You know, It's a really important one. If I go to have a look at my emotional energy, I'm focusing on how do I quickly put on some of the music that changes the mood very quickly at the start of each day. So when you go to have a look at those quadrants, you know I think that the most important part is, is that get a vision that inspires you and go out and do it and you know get really clear. And this is what we have really found during the course of the COVID era, is that a lot of people focus on the things that they can't do. They saw Boris Johnson come on you know, on the TV last night, they had this whole conversation, we're back in lockdown, blah, 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 blah. To me, I would have like taken that information, worked out what the new restrictions are that are in play, and then the secondary thing I would have done is then just gone and get a piece of paper and write down can and write down all the things that I can do, even given those restrictions. And when you focus on all the things that you've got to do that are in the can column, oh my God, you you're gonna need you're gonna need another four years of this restriction to ever even remotely get close to being able to knock those things off. And this is what I think that the problem with the human mind and the human condition is that we all focus on the things that we can't do. Can't do this, 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 can't do this rather than the things that we can do. And I was speaking to a friend only just before, and she said, oh, Josh, you know, my holiday's been cancelled and I can't go to Brisbane, blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah, but you can holiday here in New South Wales. So best that from this point forward, whenever you plan a holiday, plan a holiday in the great state of New South Wales. If you decide to book your holiday last minute and there's the ability to go to Queensland, oh, how lucky. In the meantime, focus on the things that you can do. And I think that energy is always about that. I always want to be the person that gives the energy, the the one that takes it. Um, I did, did, did some things in the very early days, I went to a, an amazing health retreat called the Kangaroo Island Health Retreat with a lady by the name of Sue McCarthy. And Sue McCarthy got into numerology and one of my numbers in numerology was actually that at my best, I'm a showman, but at my worst, I'm depressive. And so I, I looked at Sue and I was only 19 at the time. And I said, do I have a choice? She said, of course you do. I said, great, I choose showman. She goes, great, we'll know that that if you find yourself in the depressive side, then you're not playing at your best. And so I made a choice that I wanted to be over here. I wanted to be in this position of always, but like making sure that I'm doing that. And, and then, you know, one of my other numbers in numerology is that I'm a scribe, I'm a creator, i write, writer, I produce content, but at my worst, I'm boring. You know, so like literally, I'm either the life of the party or I'm nothing at all. And, and then, you know, I started to think about that. And what that really got me to, to consider is, is that, In life, you know, I want to be the entertainer. I want to be the one who's got the good energy. And I just realized that,
0: you know, there are people
1: that suck energy and there are people that give it. Now, Adam Grant wrote a fascinating book and probably a really important one for people to read, which was called Give and Take. And in Give and Take, he spoke a lot about that when you give energy to others and they do something with it, what you realize is that that then amplifies everything in your life. When you give people advice and they do nothing with it, that's that's almost soul-destroying. But yet you'll meet people that are givers and you'll meet people that are takers. And the secret is, is that like, literally I don't need to receive anything. What I I need to know is that the person that was in front of me, that we made impact there and that we helped them to fix whatever their problem, whatever their challenge or issue was in such a powerful way that it's gone on to allow them to be far more successful than what they'd ever dreamt they could ever do. And to me, that's life here on earth. That's, you know, the ability to be able to help others, to be able to see them, to be able to perform at their best. Is what really keeps you going. And I think that it's so easy to get sucked into the negativity of life, of media, of social media. Um, you know, these are companies that are there to try to get your eyeballs on everything that they're doing as much as possible so they can sell more advertising. It is not about enriching the quality of your life. And I've never spent 20 minutes on social and going, that was awesome. I'm doing that again. Hey, hey everyone, come on, let's come and do this together. And what I realized very quickly is, is that, you know, If your energy is finite, if your energy is limited, you can expand it, and it's your job to make sure that you spend it in areas that allow you to become more dynamic, that allow you to be the type of person that you want to become. Um, Over the Christmas break, um, Dad and I had a great chat, and one of the things Dad said, you know, how have things gone since you've been running the business, and obviously there's a lot of things that have changed over the last year, how are you going with that, you know, and there's always a father's concern that comes, you know, with that position. And I said that in a really simple way. I said, i got to tell you, man, the last 13 and a half years have been one hell of a ride. And I've absolutely loved every single minute of it. And if this is it, if life is done, then i then I got to tell you, wow, what a ride. And it gets me to think like that because I know it's not done. There's so many more things that we're going to go and do. And, you know, when it's safe to do so, we're going to come back into London. I, I can't wait to be able to, to go and see so many great friends and, and to be able to work in, in such an incredibly dynamic market. And this is what people don't realise. Like, I love the UK. It is a phenomenal part of the world. You guys have some of the most incredible things right there at your doorstep, and it's about unwrapping the presence that you've been given. And there's an old saying that, you know, sometimes the presence, the best presence in life are actually badly wrapped, and I think that COVID is a great example of that. And I'm not saying, that you know, take the advantage of whatever it is, but what I am saying is, is that, you know what, like, this too shall pass. It's a moment in time. Time marches on. Um, our goal, our ability to be able to refresh and to be able to write goals. Like one person go, well, "What's the point of writing goals? They're not going to happen." I'm like, "Well, I can reach my running goal. I, I can, you know, get my goal of being able to spend some time with you, Stephen, on, on on camera. I can have that conversation of being able to work with great people, and hopefully, um, in the very small time that we have together, that we're in a position that we can make impact. That gives people positivity. It gives people the desire to want to dream around a bigger vision around where they want to go, the types of things that they want to achieve." And, that's not always about making money. It might be spending more time with family. It might be giving back more to the community. It might be creating something that's really powerful. It might be sending a message after this, a quick text message, a little message on LinkedIn, something on an email, whatever, that just says, hey, thanks for giving me 30 minutes of your life that I know you'll never get back because, you know what, it made an impact and it made a difference. And I think that that's the difference, you know, like, you know, um, learn how to be dynamic and in such a way that when you put your head on that pillow at night, you say, wow, what a day. And I think I won't get the quote exactly right, but Hunter S. Thompson, who's a fascinating guy, he was um, a journalist that ended up joining the Hells Angels over in the, in the, U, the USA. And he came out in the backwood and he's got to quote something along the lines of life is not about turning up to your own funeral in a beautifully preserved body. It's about literally going in sideways um, with a huge pile of dust proclaiming, wow, what a ride, you know, completely used up, burnt out and exhausted and done. And I just think about that all the time, that, like, literally, you know, this chance that we get to be able to be in front of people to be able to have proper proper conversations makes a huge difference in around what we can create and how we can go to do that. And I always just say to people is that now is absolutely the chance. And I love this quote by Oprah where she says that every morning when you wake up and you get to put your feet on the earth, as soon as she does that every morning, she puts her feet down on the ground and, and the first thing that she says, she goes, wow, Another opportunity at another great day. And I love that because it's about perspective and it's about, you know, you've got to have a vision for a big future. You've got to have a vision for where you want to go. All of that stuff is massively important because that vision pushes you there. But the mistake to think is, is that when you get there, that that's the end of the journey. It's not. It's just another step. And this is what we're going to call the false Everest, the false summit. You know, the false position of thinking that we've arrived in the position, we haven't arrived at all. You know, we, we had a great opportunity to have uh, Peter Rowlings, um, one of the best estate agents in the UK, uh, do some work with us here in Australia in December. And people loved him. They said, oh, he's phenomenal. I said, of course he's phenomenal. You'd expect it because he's 100% focused about the betterment of the people that are around him. And I think that this is the difference is that, you know, change your mindset, change your attitude, change your life. And I think that this is the whole conversation. Is my attitude worth catching? Is my energy worth catching? Am I the type of person that people want to be around because they feel better about themselves because I'm more encouraged about the type of people that they're becoming? And I think that this is a really dynamic era in that we are going to live in the most extraordinary era of what I believe in human existence in modern history. And we're having a chance to rewrite and recreate and rebuild what a state agency looks like. And we've got great mentors, including yourself that are going to take us there. Let's go there on that journey. I think that the secret is, is that your ability to be able to get perspective to to go up to the higher vision and say, hey, is this actually what I want to do? How am I doing this? Who can I get involved with that would substantially change the way that I act? And how do I put myself into a position that I can actually start thinking about who, not how, but who the people are that can really substantially change my fortunes by getting involved with those people? And then off the back of that, start thinking about what are the things I'm currently kidding myself about? Am I kidding myself about my fitness? Am I kidding myself about the quality of my relationships with the people around me? Am I kidding myself about my friendships? Am I kidding myself about how the business is really operating? And let's get real and down and dirty. And the first key thing, and they say this in AA, is, is that you know the ability to acknowledge that there's actually a problem, and then to go out to go and find the solution. And I think that you know we live in a society that's got a lot of gloss and a lot of cover, and a lot of people want to look at the icing, and they forget that the Instagram and their Facebook is ultimately the highlight reel. It's not the reality of what's actually happening on a day-to-day basis. And I think that, like, you know, you know, I, I, you know one of the one of the interesting things that I've done this year is I've started to, um, to buy some shares on the Australian stock market. Not a lot, just a couple. Uh, but I'm learning and I lost some on one and I made a lot on another and, you know, it's, it's all exciting. And the interesting conversation is, is that, like, you know, I think that that's, the, that that's the thing is that when was the last time that you did something for the first time? When was the last time that you went all in on doing something that you feel completely uncomfortable about? And ultimately, built new skills, gain new things, gain the brand new perspective. And I think that this is where we've got to start thinking is, is that, you know, the future is bright. It's super bright. You're going to need sunglasses for it. I'm telling you, uh, the secret to that is to make sure that you start working on a future that compels you and one that actually builds you on a deeper purpose. And it's something that I'm working through uh, myself at this very moment right now is I'm looking about my goals and the vision and what 2021 looks like. And normally I'd have every single one of those completely written, but I've given myself a little bit more time this year. And I've got some really simple things that I want to say. Hey, you know what? I want to go there and I want to do that and I want to do that seriously well. And I think that this is the important part. Now is the time. You don't get any more of it. You use time in your life based on the amount of time that you perceive that you have left. If life is going to end in a week or a year or five years or 10 years or 25 or 100 years for you, how are you going to use the next 24 hours to make the right decisions that will make impact for an incredibly powerful decade ahead? That's the sort of stuff that gets me up at night and uh, up early in the morning and, and thinking, you
0: know, to have a bit of fun with it. Unbelievable. I think Ian summed it up nicely. Amazing, inspirational start to the day. Um, Spencer, for me, JP's best coaching tip, laser light, cut out the wide have absolute clarity and purpose, no wasted energy. Um, Peter Lawrence, spot on Josh, too many people are negative. Remember what you have, as so many of us are privileged as what we have. Josh, outstanding yet again. So, amazing. Um, I'm very conscious of time. Have we got time for a couple more questions? Sure, let's go for it. Okay. So, you discuss doing stuff in 45-minute sessions uh, mm. in that. Um, in the UK, 95% of agents have no stay-in-touch policy. Full yeah. um, you know, they've got a fantastic customer base, um, but they struggle to use it. Um, tips for them to improve and get better with their existing customers. I mean, going back to exactly what we said at the start, you talked about customer journey, customer excellence. You talked about personal relationships. So all these people want to deal, have wanted to deal with these agents at whatever given time. And yet as soon as they complete, settle, that's it. Bye, never see you again. Don't need to speak to you. There you go. And for me, you know your database is a data bank. There's absolute gold in there. You know, and it's giving value to that. But you know, again, how can people structure that forty-five minute session in their diary every single day?
1: Well, I think the key thing to do first of all is flip the switch. It's got nothing to do about you, and it's got nothing to do about your forty-five minutes or how you're going to make make calls. All of that can go to the side straight away. First thing you've got to start thinking about is is that to find the customer experience and make it great. Um, you know, a, Australian hospitality is a really interesting thing. I was lucky enough to be able to get away for a few days. And I went to a hotel and I turned up and it's quite a nice hotel here in Australia. And when I got there, the lady said, oh, can we have your driver's license? So in Australia now, um, we've now got our driver's licenses on our mobile phones. It's a new thing. And you don't have to have a physical card. And she said to me, well, do you, do you have the physical card? I said, no, I have only got the, the one on my phone. And she's like well how do i how do i take that i'm like i don't know i guess you take a photo of that rather than the one on the card so she took a photo of that you know two or three minutes later on into the experience she said oh and what's your residential home address i said oh it's actually on my license which you took a photo of about three minutes ago and she said oh yeah but i need it i'm like well it's on the photo that you just took three minutes ago and so i thought i better not get antagonistic i'm actually there on a holiday and i'm not paid to coach in this particular environment <laughs> so stop coaching josh and an interesting thing about it as those about like really thinking about what the service delivery standards are. And we make this mistake that, you know, we, we index up about what the service is gonna be like, but then off the back of that, we deliver, you know, very small amounts of that when we start to add more customers. And so I think that what the secret is, is that the art of great service is not doing too much. The art of great service is really defining what it is and then actually making sure that you substantially change the value proposition. So most organizations um, think the productivity thing is the issue when in fact, the issue is that you actually don't have a clearly defined path and what it means to be one of your customers. So my expectation for someone who has bought a property from my estate agency, as an example, would be that they should receive some really basic things. They get a phone call one day, one week, one month, one year after they've purchased the property. Simple stuff. Hey, you've been in the house for a day, anything you need from us. You've been in the area for a week, here's a little voucher to a great little takeaway restaurant down the road. You've been around us now over the course of the last month. If you ever need anything, let us know. We happy to be your friends in the business you're now in the position that you've owned the house for a year, you're due for an annual checkup. So to go to a local dentist here in Australia, you know, to do a, a clean and whatever is probably hundred pounds uh, and yet my dentist books you in every year and he books you in before you even leave the dentist surgery. So for hundred pounds, you're going to do that. Yet an estate agency transaction could be a thousand, two, 000, three thousand pounds, depending on where you're operating in. If you effectively go and see that client 10 times over the course of 10 years, once every year, And at a hundred pound a visit, there's a thousand pounds in fees. That's how you generate it. But you don't have to be in a position that you're spending all the money on marketing and Facebook ads and you know, whatever else you need to be apparently be doing to be a Guru. And so the secret is about that definition. So every single time that there is a property listed or sold in and around that particular area, I'm going to pick up pickup phone, give a quick call, let them know. I'm then going to make sure that they receive a monthly video about market updates and what's happening in the local area. Off the back of that, I'm going to go into the annual checkout where I see them physically. And also, in addition to that, I just want to make sure that they receive a really good quality annual report on what's happening in the area and what they should be doing next. And every single time that there's some sort of development consent on new homes, a new tower, new infrastructure, new rail, something else that's coming to the area, I'll pick up the phone, give a quick call. Because I'm about the relationship of being the friend in the business that gave me a quick call. I'm not about doing more marketing to get there. I don't need a lot of customers. I just need a few customers that have got a lot of problems who know a lot of other people that have got problems, and that's how I make my business happen. And I think that, like the secret is that if you think, well, hang on a second, that's what we do here. And this is what we got to deliver customer experience. You won't be worried about what's happening in my diary. And the problem is is that we're educating a very poor section of the community. And I say poor in terms of their mindset and attitude, not about wealth, their mindset and attitude because they don't really think about it from a customer experience perspective. And this is the difference is that like, literally we're in a new world, man. You're not gonna go and survive. You will battle on for years on end until you start to get real clarity about how do we actually win business in this business? What actually makes a difference compared to our competitors? And how do we make sure that we structure ourselves in a really powerful way to make that happen? So the more that you can get clear about that,
0: then the quicker and bigger that the business is actually gonna grow. Fantastic. Um, you've mentioned a couple of books that you highly recommend. Um, what else? You know, I know you mentioned Adam Grant, you mentioned the BFC book. Um, yeah. What would help agents?
1: It's, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing. Um, I haven't read as much in the last 12 months as I would have loved to have. Uh, I, I certainly in terms of books, I've been reading a lot more articles and a lot more emergency type stuff in dealing with the crisis. Um, and the interesting thing is about, you know, taking yourself away from that and doing something different. At the moment, I'm, I'm actually reading something completely different, which is Andre Agassiz's book Open, which is about, you know, him and his tennis career. And that's actually been really lovely to go and read. Um, you know, that, that's kind of way out there. And then off the back of that, I just read Jim Collins' new one, Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0, BE 2.0 he calls it. And that's a rehash of his original book, which was Beyond Entrepreneurship, which was one of my favorite books of all time around vision and strategy and process. Um, you know, there's so many great books. But what I'd say to you, find out what your problems are and go to amazon.com, type the problem in the search bar and see what comes up. Uh, my favorite book of all time is a um, you know, really simple one, which is just called Meeting Suck by Cameron Herald. And it's actually about how to have better meetings. And I think that this is the great problem in life is, is that you know we're all doing all these meetings, but no one actually thinks how to make the meeting better. You know, everyone wants to learn the next top tip on how to make sure their post on Facebook gets more likes and views, like wrong problem. What, what's happening in life is that people are just dealing with the wrong problems, they're focusing on all this other stuff. Like literally, oh, how do we get customers? I'm going ring the thousand customers that already did a transaction with you in the last 10 years and ask them how they're going. Like that, that's probably a great start. Oh, it's, oh, it's too hard, I can't manage my diary. But yet you can spend six hours on screen time, according to your phone. So I think that like, I um, Sometimes people find me confronting when I say that to them, but like literally, is this the life that you want because a life becomes the way that it's lived? And that's a really powerful position to come from. You know, get yourself into a position where you start really thinking about what you're doing, when you're doing it, why you're doing it, and start to get really intentional around the life that you want to create. And business should be powerful. It's your diary, control it. How you run your diary is how you run your life. I love that. Like, literally, the, you know, um, Stephen, how much negotiation did you have to do to get me to be available this morning? Hopefully very little. I think it was one message on LinkedIn. Yep, sure. What time? Yep, that works fine. No problem. Send me the link to see you there. And you didn't have to worry about whether or not I was going to turn up, what it was going to look like, whether or not I'd be here, because every single time you sent a message to ask on something, bang, the reply is back there. And this is what I think is, is that accessibility is critically important. Uh, but knowing how to communicate and when to communicate so that you can be very powerful and what you do is where the future of the world exists. Those people that have the ability to have a channel, their focus, their energy, their time, their money, their resources in the things that matter will be the ones that actually get a greater level of fulfilment
0: out of the work that they do. Josh, thank you. You've been the most unbelievable guest. What a way to kickstart 2021 with the morning learnings. Thank you so much for your time. I'd like to thank everybody for watching this morning or whether you're listening to it on replay, listening to it as a podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Very grateful. On Friday at half past 12, i I'm gonna be joined by Katie Darlow. So um, Katie was out in America with us at the Real Estate Conference. So we learned from her about that. Um, Josh, thank you again. Um, good luck today. Have a great day, everybody. Um, josh i mean you blow me away um you know for stuff absolutely unbelievable so thank you so so much and everybody thank you as well have a great day bye thank you